Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast, the number one gaming podcast in the Nordic region. We're bringing together the best technical leaders from across the gaming industry to discuss passions, challenges, and ideas. I'm Aaron, and I connect businesses with talented freelancers within the Unreal Engine community. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Nordic's Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Eloise, Kirsten, and Wendy to discuss how to improve female representation in the gaming industry. And before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. So, Wendy, do you want to kick us off? Thanks, Aaron. Uh, my name is Wendy Young, and I have been in the industry since 2001, so an oldie and a goldie, I guess you could say. I'm a head of operations currently at Starbreeze Studios, and I have worked at a variety of gaming studios from Dice to Stardoll to Tokoboka, uh, and... Uh, actually originally started in Canada and now living in Sweden here. Amazing. So used to the cold then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's actually better here in it's Sweden. Bad. It's better in Stockholm. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Right. So, um, Kirsten, uh, do you want to tell us, you know, who you are, what you do? How long have you been in the industry? Thanks, Evan. Yes. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Kirsten Schaefer. Uh, originally from Germany, but living in Stockholm now too, as Wendy does. Um, and I'm an engineer, um, and I'm 15 years, uh, yeah, almost 15 years in the industry. Um, had eight, nine years in Germany in uh, my first company called King Games, and we did console games at this time. And then we moved, uh, yeah, is it seven years ago to Sweden, Stockholm, and I worked for DICE. And since the last year, I joined a startup called Wayfinder Games. And yeah, now I transitioned a bit into technical director role as well. So I'm, yeah. Amazing. And last but not least, Eloise. Hi, um, I'm Eloise Singer. I have a company called Singer Studios and I'm a creative director and CEO of the company. Um, we develop VR narrative games specifically, and at the moment we're making a game for Meta. Um, mm -hmm. I'm comparatively new to the industry. Uh, I previously come from film, so I've worked at Pima Studios on films like Ready Player One and Transformers, etc., The Crown. And then my company, we also develop um, films as well. So. Previously, we've developed and created films like uh, Rare Beasts with Billy Piper, and we're exactly producing a film called The Last Rifleman with Pierce Brosnan. So we're from film, moving into games. Amazing. Lovely intros there. Thank you, everyone. Um, but now that we've got a bit of background on everyone, let's move on to the topic in focus. So 
you've all got a question or a statement on how to improve female representation in the gaming industry. So as usual, we'll work around the room asking each of you to pose your question and the reasons behind it. And each of you will have the opportunity to give your take on the situation. So without further ado, let's start with Kirsten on your question and just give us a little bit of context behind it as well. Yes. So my first question would be uh, our personal uh, experience uh, as a woman in the industry. And for me personally, it was always be this one single woman in a room thing. So it already was the case during university um, when yeah, I was studying informatics in Germany that I was the only one. I think it was also during school uh, when I took the technical path of uh, learning. Um, and then, yeah, when I joined the industry, I think I never met a female engineer till I joined DICE in Sweden. And even there, I think I had no female engineer in my team, but I knew we had some in the company. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how it is for you. It's an interesting one. I um, Our company is female-led, so, and we create female narrative games. So for us, we kind of actively uh hire women as well as men in the games industry and we try really really hard to make sure that we're balanced when we're hiring um but we definitely we don't have any programmers female programmers so i think there are certainly areas that there's a really clear lack of representation um and i think it's just it's about sort of working out how we can kind of tenaciously try and find women to hire as well so that there's more yeah it's just about sort of actively not going to sort of the go-to standard hiring sort of processes but really trying to think outside the box of how we can hire more women if that makes sense yeah it totally does and uh for me I guess when I started back in 2001, if I compare yesteryear to, to today, it's so much different today. In 2001, I was a, you know, I went to university and studied fine arts. So I was a classically trained artist. I'd been in education, both uh, design education as well. So university and a college education. Uh, and I came out as a freelance, you know, artist doing brochures and graphic design tasks and I happened to meet uh, someone whose boyfriend worked at Dice Canada actually it was really small studio of 60 people and they were ramping up uh, and they were doing girls games so they were doing Game Boy games like Barbie titles and PlayStation 1 games uh, Land Before Time and it was it, it was really new to me I didn't even know that you could you know, you could do this for a living. I played games with my brother, would solve the puzzles, but I, I never really thought of it as a, as a, as a profession. Um, so I actually uh, got in on a diversity drive that they were running with Dice Canada. Um, at When I joined, my boss actually came from the animation industry because at the time, in, in Ontario, uh, a lot of Disney and Don Bluth studios like had shut down and, and had started to close their studios. So there was an influx of professionals. So my boss, actually, the, the art director for, for the games I was working on was a female. So I, 
from Germany, actually. So I, I feel really lucky that I got to work with with a really strong female and, and learned a lot. And the guys were all really great. And it was a small group of us in a room uh, developing on Game Boy. And, and that was kind of my first introduction. And then, of course, as Battlefield went on, I was trained in 3D, never really excelled. Uh, but then uh, a female uh, coder joined from Sweden. So I've always been curious if it was something about the Swedish education and the Swedish knowledge base or, or professional base, especially education and entrepreneurship that's really prevalent here in this country, uh, if that contributed to that experience of having gotten to work with a, a female coder uh, early on in my career and then subsequently... Uh, of course, it's grown. I moved to Sweden and experienced much more diverse gaming studios with with a, a variety of of fields having women representation in it over the years. But primarily for me, at least when I look at my experience, it was very male oriented. I think the work cultures in Canada and Sweden are vastly different. So I had a I would say maybe a more bro culture experience when I was uh, in Canada. It, it was sort of very work focused and it was very much a vocation for the guys. Um, and then in Sweden, it was a little bit of a different experience. It was more professional. I would say more, um, more diverse and more uh, broad, I would say, because I, I think at that time also it was becoming much more global. So when I came to Sweden and worked a bit at Dice Sweden, but also at other companies. It, it it was such a diverse group of people that it was such a different experience for me. Yeah, I think I can definitely agree to that, that things since I moved to Sweden changed for me. So in Germany, I think I kind of accepted that it is the case that it's, yeah, mostly males I'm working with um, and just know a bit of females in producing or art. Um, but then I moved to DICE uh, or Sweden and uh, we had those work groups about inclusion, diversity, and I met uh, more females in the industry. And one of them was Fia Schernberg, who is now founder of uh, Wayfinder Games. And at Wayfinder Games, we actually tried to really push hard for more females in the industry and try to concentrate what can we do to get more into the industry and we try to represent for example the engineering part uh, with a picture of myself or with a short introduction what people can expect as an engineer in the company it's one of those i don't know if you find this that um being a star sort of starting up in games we've got a lot of public funding and part of the public funding requirements is um to meet diversity and inclusion thresholds so on our last game, we had to have a 50-50 split between men and women working on the game, which was great because it held us accountable. It meant that we literally, we had to be able to uh, make sure that we had equal representation, which I think is something that like everyone should try and do, to be honest, on all of their games. But it's nice that these public funds are actually putting in these requirements. No, I think that's really interesting that you say that. I think one trend I noticed, and that could have been in the ebb and the flow, uh, having been around for a while, you know, there's there's times when when the industry hasn't done so well in terms of gaming. In like 2009, 2008, there was sort of a tech crash. 
where there was a lot of unemployed people. And this for me was where I experienced a lot of education programs being created, a lot of these schools and then the funding and really, uh, at least I would say, uh, around the, around the world, Canada, especially was when a lot more, uh, university programs and there was a lot more support for education around gaming during these sort of lulls that flooded the industry, you know, after it kind of recovered in 2009 and really pushed kind of games. So it's kind of interesting, the ebb and the flow and how that's impacted uh, women and having more women in the industry and more opportunities. But I definitely think uh, the trade shows, the rise of the trade shows, uh, education programs, global funding, uh, special now nowadays it's the amplifier and the game investments uh companies really uh really lift this opportunity for minorities and and women to you know get funding and get the support and education they need to sort of really build upon what they're interested in and whether it's owning a studio or being an artist or being a programmer so there's a lot more mentoring opportunities i think today especially I definitely agree. Amazing question there. Really, really good takeaway points on that one. Thank you all for that. So moving on to the next question, then at hand. Um, Kirsten, I believe you've got a second question to ask the group as well. So, you know, just ask that and just give us a little bit of context as well on that one, please. Yes. Um, so I think um, getting more females into the industry might start with... Um, enjoying uh, games in general so that's how it has been for me as a young kid i really loved my uh, nintendo 64 uh, game console and i loved playing mario and zelda and that's how i uh, started to dream of being part of the game industry and i also had always a passion to solve issues solve problems um so uh, yeah i always loved playing games and i still love it um, on the other hand, I think we have some issues with females in, yeah, especially online game area where they are harassed and discriminated. I saw a while back on LinkedIn uh, a post where a male uh, got experienced how it feels being a female in online games. So they used some voice changing software and then, yeah, they acted as a female and got a lot of harassment. So I feel that. Yeah, there are other areas we should fix, but we maybe can fix to get, yeah, or keep females in uh, gaming uh, in general and get them attracted to the industry, work in the, working in the industry. I think that was an interesting question and an interesting point you made around the post. I actually saw that post and watched it as well. And I actually, I sent it to my studio manager because I was like, wow, look at this. This is happening. Uh, and I think it's about awareness. I mean, something as like as simple as a as a post, I think, really helps. And I think we we need to build more awareness, like not just have that one video, but you know, get teach it forward. Like uh, I think in schools, and and I I think we should talk about it more and and get it on podcasts and find ways to build more awareness because I think that's really for me one of the the positive uh, essences to to how we we solve it together, because I've always experienced the internet as a negative space. Like look at uh, like social media today, right? It's just everyone that that there's that safety that 
that you have that anonymity so you can behave as badly as as you want and i think we need to build more awareness that it's not okay we need to talk about the toxicity and and even in an emojis in emoji language it's toxic so you can also you know harass and in, in in emojis which is crazy to me t today so i think i think that's like number one more awareness but also modeling good behavior like what would be the difference if those guys then go back into their gaming space and try to invite a woman into their team or act differently. And I think that's the next step is it's the awareness, but then actually being a role model for good behavior in how you game. That's the only way I think that we can, we can battle it together. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a really interesting one where it's also just the discourse around, um, games for example just a game boy right like we we all grew up with game boys but why are they called game boys never thought about that yeah and it's just it's those sort of things that i think that we need to sort of readdress as well as the fact that it's the balance between the content that's being created being representative and genuinely representative as well like it's one thing to have a character on screen that's female or non-binary, but it's another thing to actually have the creators behind those characters create those characters so that they are as authentic as possible. Um, and I think that we're making steps in having more equality in games, but it's ensuring that the creators behind those games are as authentic as possible to make sure that the characters are as authentic as possible so i think it's like a, a dual approach plus just revising a lot of language in games so that it's a lot more uh neutral <laughs> no i think that's that that's a really interesting statement that you make about the the game boy because i i never thought about it either and that says something you know historically if we look at women I mean, I think about art history, it's mostly men. It's, it's, there's very few uh, stories that come out about women. And I think that's also about awareness. Like if we dig into the history, would we find, you know, female developers in the eighties that were forgotten? It, it's, it's really, really, you know, an interesting topic that, that I, I think a lot about, and I kind of grieve over slightly as well, because society we you know we have this opportunity i think you know even us being here today is an amazing opportunity to build awareness and to talk about the topics um and dig a little bit further into our history and start asking questions and i i think uh i think we would find that there's a lot of people that have paid the paved the way even before the men but for some reason uh, I think due to society and the way that we view these things and, and have experienced growing up, generationally speaking, um, you, you, you accept things to be as they are rather than maybe push the boundaries. So it's great that nowadays, you know, with female-run companies, there's this opportunity to, to I think we have a duty at, at this point in our careers to to encourage and lift other people when we see it that, because I think that's the difference that we make, having experienced maybe not 
uh, maybe a longer way to get to where we are. Uh, I, I think we have this opportunity to, to see things that others don't, to, to bring it forward, to build awareness around it, and to invite other people in, right? Because this isn't about like excluding men completely, that it's all their fault. It's about inviting a community together that's healthy, that's playing games, that's that's taking a different approach to game making, um, and also inviting people into to the perhaps like being a coder like hey you're really great at this have you thought about scripting and and you know create those mentorships and those peer programs within the places that we work to you know inviting uh film people into into our our game studios to take producer roles or art roles to, to so that we can share with each other and advance each other and 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 again it, it just creates that that awareness and and diversity in in the stories and into the games that we're making yeah I everything that you just said <laughs> <laughs> yeah me too i have one thought uh, as well and it's maybe similar as with the game boy that i feel um it's also not just us not just the game industry it's also when i think about online games um and the bigger ones might be all the shooters, but also FIFA is all the all the other sport games. They have a similar issue in this area as well. I mean, war was always men, um, yeah, handled by men anyway. But when you think about sport games uh, and sport in reality, in football, female football or soccer players are fighting against the same things as we might do. Um, so, yeah, coming all together, not just as a single industry. Uh, and having this visibility and awareness, I think, will, yeah, move us into the right direction. I think all them points, they're so true and they ring so true. I mean, the using the social media for the greater good and for awareness, it's fantastic. And yeah, 100% agree with that comment. And Eloise, you comment on the Game Boy. I think anyone who listens to this podcast, you'll have changed the way that they thought about that as well, because <laughs> it got me thinking straight away. I was like, oh my God, never thought of that before. Uh, but no, fantastic. Um, right. So uh, if we move on to Eloise uh, and, you know, we move on to your question and just a bit of context on that as well, if you can, please. Yeah, of course. Um, I guess mine leads in really beautifully from what Wendy was saying, which is just about sort of the representation of uh, women both behind games and also in games and what we can do to kind of create more uh, nuanced characters and storylines in games and how you both feel that that can be done so that we don't have the FIFAs, as many as the FIFAs and maybe we have the female fifas for example yeah i mean like for me i think uh at least i'm seeing like if i look back at my career and and the trajectory it, it took bear with me for a moment um you know i i started on game boy games doing barbie titles so girls games working mostly with guys even though my art director um was was a woman um, but then from there, it turned to more war games, and I saw less like less things that I connected with as a gamer. And I and there wasn't much choice for me to just jump to another studio that was doing games that I really enjoyed, like the kids' games and the women's games, which most of the guys, you know, they didn't love it, but we all had fun, right? 
So I think the interesting thing is nowadays, if I look now, there's so much more diversity of story happening, you know, like your company, Eloise, looking at narrative and, and looking at representing, you know, a more diverse story-based, narrative-based games. They didn't really exist in the same way when I was a female artist. And I think I might have stayed in the art track had I found another company with which I could work in the games that I love to play, which was the narrative driven. So I could see characters that maybe reflected me and the things that I like to, to play. And I'm not really good at, at games. Uh, I don't play multiplayer online games because I'm really terrible because I like the slow pace. Like I just finished playing Pentiment by Obsidian. You got to play that. It's so great. Totally narrative driven, really beautiful. You know, and I played games like Myst because I didn't really like fighting. But meanwhile, my career moved towards, you know, more military games because I worked at another company called Grin doing advanced warfighter and making guns and weapons. And it didn't really like, I didn't connect to it. And I, I, I think, uh, you know, the female representation in games has been very sexually motivated which also I you know I I felt uncomfortable you know I I think it it kind of you know people men were talking about the physics in female body parts in fighting games back back in the day as well and I just for me it just never I never really connected to those types of games and 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 I and I think things would have taken a different trajectory uh, had I maybe seen little different diverse stories, uh, it, 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 it's, I think the wonderful thing is it's an opportunity to learn something, like get curious. There's, there's, you know, the LGBT community, like there's just so many more wonderful stories. There's, you know, nowadays women are making games all over the world stories. We're seeing characters and stories that are so wonderful and enriching and uh, and that's what i really love today versus yester yesterday um this opportunity to to see more characters that look like us and 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 it's okay it's not you know it gives us a a better sense of self it's more compassionate and kind and i like that we're living it realistically a little bit too so for me, it's really positive uh, experience today more so to have and see these stories and, and characters that, you know, aren't supermodels all the time <laughs> running around in the games. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's similar for me. So, um, yeah, talking about my experience or how I play games, I usually don't identify 100% with characters I play or stories. So especially in Nintendo games, it's this comic art style where it's really just a game for me and I don't need this female representation. But when it comes to more real life stories, for example, Life is Strange, where you really play a story and then you uh, really get a story behind maybe two girls uh, yeah, starting a relationship and you get all those topics now put into games to maybe raising awareness again, I don't know. But um, I feel with those things in games, it helps when you have a diverse and yeah, inclusive culture in the company. And that's what we try at Wayfinder now as well, that 
the more diverse we are, the more input we get about the general game design or what we all expect from the games we want to play in private. And I never in my career worked on a game where I felt that's something I want to play. Um, so I'm similar to Wendy that I don't really, I'm not good in multiplayer online. I'm not good in shooters, but I worked on a battlefield and it was a nice experience. But after two battlefields, I felt, okay, now let's move on and maybe let's do something new. And now I'm so excited at Wayfinder that I feel first time in my career that I can work on a game. I really would love to play in private. So I'm really looking forward and I think yeah, one big point improvement is that we try to yeah have an inclusive company with uh, more females, uh, female representation in all the crafts and in all areas to get the different inputs. Do you feel that um, because there was such a sort of financial success with games like FIFA or Call of Duty or like Grand Theft Auto, etc., that like all of the platforms move towards making more of those games because there was this success and then it led to gaming audiences and players just being those who were wanting to play more of those games and so it feels like in some way there's sort of a pressure on studios to create those games because that's what people think the audiences are but actually if there are more diverse games that are being made, then we're going to be attracting more diverse audiences into games. Good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a good question. I mean, I think it's a. I was reading a study about like uh, a business study about you know where the money is, and uh, you know a lot of people post pandemic are only paying want to buy triple A games, and so. And the market is so saturated with games that the double A markets are struggling to get the money back. So I, I think there's always a business side because we are in a business where, you know, people, you know, we make games that people want to play and pay for, right? Like uh, to quote Paradox, uh, one of my forward companies. And I think that's an important balance. You know, you need people who want to to spend money so that you can continue to make games and and it's also, for me, very much about player fantasy. I think that's really what what a wonderful, uh, like both films and games can do this. They they can allow you to immerse yourself in a player fantasy. And so like the FIFAs and the Grand Theft Autos, uh, I definitely think they were very big for their time. Same with Battlefield, right? Really big. You got to play this fantasy like like full on, full immersive. And so it offered the player that that um, that chance and really fulfilled it. And and then you're you're putting your resources to continue that fantasy fulfillment, which is a key part of the game. Um, but you know, I think room for the smaller fantasies. Like I, I played Edith Finch, which I thought was amazing, uh, and I want to do more with that. You know, I it you know it creates that. Um, you get that opportunity to be creative and, and have ideas and and really use your imagination. So I, I do think there's a bit of a balance why people like to play those big games. I think it gives them that fulfillment. Uh, also, like, really good quality graphics like no other. And, and, you know, they're $69, $70. It's not cheap to make games. It's not cheap to develop games. And, and, and so... You know, it's always hard to be competitive. So I, I think for me, it's very much a, a balance. 
and I don't know what the trend is. I think right now in Sweden, if we look at there's what 889 companies alone making games in Sweden, it's a huge market. And I, I, it just, I, it's like more questions that I get to when, when thinking about this one. Like, so what's going to happen with the gaming market when it's saturated? Will the small games, you know, survive? We have amplifiers, we have subscription services. Will we change our business models so that we can keep? you know, bringing great games to the market. So for me, everything's kind of connected, but it just, it leaves me curious. Uh, and I just hope that we can continue to, like in Sweden, build education programs, build funding so that we can keep some of the, the smaller uh, companies that are making games uh, alive and allow them to be creative. I think Wing, Wings Interactive is here in Sweden. They're, they're funding female uh, games smaller games, puzzle-based games as well. So Raw Fury is doing some really cool stuff with, with retro games. Um, Starbreeze is starting to, to, to do some publishing in, in smaller games. So I think, I think uh, we're going to see a diversity, but what is the market trend is, is what I'm really... I'm, I'm just curious. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I just think it'll change. Uh, the market, the gaming industry just ebbs and flows all the time. Always surprising. VR could be the thing. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But, yeah, but I think as well, I mean, I think we will always have both. And from what I can share from my Battlefield uh, EA DICE experience is that I always felt there's a community that has their wishes and what they expect from the game so you kind of always have to deliver and you can't really change the root of the game because that's not what the community wants but then you always have um, the new joiners or you want to get them on board as well and you try to change some minor things in the game to yeah increase the community in general but then what I notice on myself with gaming experience is that I get tired of all the remakes and all the I don't know, next title in this uh, series, I'm more looking for the small indie uh, games and uh, indie studios because they give me a new experience in all the years I'm playing games. And it's also, I think, easier nowadays as a studio or as maybe a one-person studio creating games with uh, Steam and all those different platforms when it comes to publishing. I think when I think back to my German to my experience in Germany you always needed a publisher to publish your games and I think now you can just yeah sign up and ship your game just you just need uh, permission from Apple or from all those uh, bigger yeah services that's interesting so do you feel that now that it's easier like there's less of a ceiling on publishing your own game I think personally I never looked it up and I never published my own title but I think yes compared to maybe 10 years ago I think it's easier you don't have the big boundaries anymore and you don't need the uh, I don't know the biggest game to deliver you can do a small thing let it be a 50 minute game doesn't matter but you can ship it I think Steam platform really did a lot to help open that world up for for everyone. And in theory, that also like those opportunities of being able to publish your own games, it's an easier way to create the content that you want to create rather than relying on someone else to tell or to either say yes or no to your idea. And we know with everyone that their own personal experiences are going to affect what games they like and don't. So 
if there are, for example, less female decision makers at the top, then it means that there's less likely of female-led games being created. Whereas if we have the opportunity to publish our own games through Steam or the like, then hopefully, similar to what you're saying, Wendy, like there is more, more and more opportunities to create female-led games that then helps create more discourse, that then helps create more representation. Hopefully. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amazing points again and takeaways from everyone there. Um, Wendy and, and Kirsten, I think I'm a bit like you with the multiplayer, apart from I'm just terrible at them, so that's probably why I, <laughs> <laughs> I stick away from that. Um, but the RPG side, though, where you can sort of, you know, role play and, and be whoever you want to be, whether, you know, that's male, female, I tend to stick to those type of games as well. Um, but no, amazing stuff. So if we move on to Wendy... And last but not least, shall we say, your question, and then just some context behind that as well, please. Sure. I'm used to being last because, you know, la both first and last name start with the end of the alphabet. So I'm I'm, I'm okay. I'm totally cool with being last. Um, yeah, I just wanted to sort of continue the discussion around retention of women within the industry because i think the the trend i i notice is that you know again if we look at statistics and and maybe you know we don't really we don't have to get into the details but uh, it, it at least in the companies i've experienced especially large gaming studios maybe not the smaller companies i just notice and and i i have changed my career a number of times as well and i've just thinking about you know what your experience is uh, if you've seen any trends around you know retaining women in the industry because what I see is a lot of times people leave or they burn out or maybe they're not just happy with the studio they're working in or or the types of games they're working on and they you know follow a different path or go to their dream job maybe it's you know doing art somewhere else but i'm just curious if uh, especially from the programming side because still you know i feel that there i think from the programming field there's a lack of women and i and i i i wonder about retention of women as well so i, I just wondered if if you guys had any thoughts it's a great question uh, wendy and um i mean i can try to answer the engineering part of it uh, or how the retention looks like but I don't really have experience with it. Or I never experienced the female colleague who jumped out of the industry. Um, I know, of course, some examples of having a burnout, but I think that's not specific to female. That's a specific or that's, yeah, happening, might happen to all the gender. Um, yeah, how to answer this? I mean, I said, I don't know anyone who was leaving it and I never felt I want to leave the industry because I don't have female colleagues. Um, so that always worked fine for me. I can imagine, especially when you're younger and you step into this uh, industry, into the area that it's really hard. So I felt, especially in school and university, that it was hard just having always male around and yeah, you don't really have any girls you can talk to or share um, your feelings with. Um, so yeah, I don't know, retention, I think if you made it into the industry, I feel you stay in it if you want to. 
And if they are reasons you want to leave, then I think for myself, it's not a gender thing um, because you already made the huge step into the industry and you took some boundaries and walls behind to, yeah, make it or to, yeah, live your dream. Yeah, I think similarly, I've come into the industry later than both of you. I sort of joined in 2008, 2018, sorry. Um, and I think coming in, especially from film, the games industry was very receptive and open to women coming into the industry and that it, it has felt very inclusive, which has been amazing. Um, and I don't think there's ever been a feeling of like openly feeling othered as someone joining the industry as a woman. Um, and so from that point of view, I think retention wise, especially at our studio, <clears throat> it hasn't necessarily been a an issue of um, feeling like there's a lack of progression, um, which is really nice. But I can imagine that sort of 10, 15 years ago, it was a very different place. So maybe that's a sign of the times. Maybe that is a sign that things are changing um, for the good. Yeah, I guess... Uh... You know, there's more opportunity maybe to jump if you're not happy with kind of maybe what field you're in or if you're not feeling like you can progress in your career, you're not being encouraged to develop um, or getting training or being able to really sort of excel, succeed, find community, whatever is important to you in your your journey through through work. <laughs> um, so I, I guess uh, there is probably more of that happening uh, when you're finding, well, especially in Sweden, there's so much opportunity. You're able to jump around. I think uh, for me, I think years ago, it was probably harder to move and harder to feel like you were succeeding, at least how I experienced it early on. I think it was because of I, I never really connected to to the work that I was doing as an artist, and I never really found my place. And there was, I did find a sense of community. I think the men, because there was a majority of men, I would say, very little female uh, females around me in the field. Really, you know, we all banded together, and you find friends and community. Although I would have wished to have maybe some more female friendships, but I think the female friendships I've made across the industry, at least in Sweden, uh, they've been lifelong friends. So I, I've always felt like a lot of the people that I made friends with were global because they came from different countries. So they knew what it was like to be alone and have challenges it, it working. And so there's always been, uh, at least nowadays, people to talk to and, and uh, ability to move I have left, I have been in and out of the creative industry, I think in general, because I can find it very frustrating at times, but I don't know if that's from a gender perspective. I think it's just about the work and do you feel you can have an influence or an impact? Do you feel that you're doing well and it's something that, you know, connects to your purpose and that you're encouraged within that by the leaders that are there? I did have someone uh, recently um, mention, uh, because I'm in a leadership position now in, in the company, um, did mention that they were really grateful to see more female leadership 
being encouraged uh, in companies around Sweden, especially because they hadn't experienced it in, in, say, UK. But I don't know if that's specifically to UK. I don't think so. I think it just could be the company that they were working for, like PlayStation or whatever. There can be thousands of people working in the company, and maybe if they're in one department, they might not see as much diversity within the, their community within work. But um, it's a curious question because I think, you know, back in the 2000s when there wasn't opportunity to move around, it it uh, I, I did see a lot of women leave and do other things with their life because they they, at least what I experienced, you know, you were sort of told that you had to work 24-7 and... You know, you had to dedicate yourself to the craft. It was a vocation. It was a lifestyle. And I always felt more than just that. I, I felt there was me outside of work back then. And I was, I don't know if it was the Canadian work culture also, you know, live to work instead of work to live, which I find Europe has a little bit of a more healthy attitude towards work-life balance. But I, I did feel back you know back towards the early 2000s it was a much different situation where people women left the industry because they didn't really feel supported or encouraged or see a future for them and had other things that they were interested in because they were more diverse but i think things have changed for the positive i was just curious about everyone's experiences today <laughs> yeah I think mine coming in is it has been for the better in so far that I feel like being a female-led studio making female-led narrative games we've actually in a way had more opportunity because we are very different in that respect and especially in the UK we make um, like transmedia content so we create films that also work as games and create games and then create podcasts out of the and it's sort of the same story that we're creating across different mediums and we're one of the only people to be doing that. So I think it's exciting because when we pitch our games, people seem to react differently because we are in a space of doing something quite nuanced. And I don't think that would have been the same 10 to 15 years ago. Yeah. And I have another thought that just came in my mind when Wendy was talking is that what we don't have to forget is as female when it comes to pregnancy and parental leave and all of that. So, and I think um, for this, I noticed a big change. It might be for me um, just the country change because in Sweden it's different than in Germany when it comes to female and male and promotion and being dependent or not getting promoted because you're in your 30s and you might uh, get a kid. Um, but I yeah, definitely feel that a lot of awareness was raised here and females have the same chance hopefully um, being promoted even though um, they plan to yeah getting a family and I think that that's like really great about Sweden I think the one thing that I, I sort of had to develop was this sort of rhinoceros skin uh, over the years I had to become very resilient but I don't know like I, I think that you know it was, it was tough in the early years there was a lot of you know there was sexism I, I think all of us have experienced it, uh, maybe even you, Erin. Like, I don't think it's exclusive to anyone. It was definitely, you know, people outwardly said that 
back in my early 30s, in the early 2000s, you know, oh, well, why should we give you an advantage? Because, you know, you're just going to get pregnant anyways. Um, and and then, aha, uh-huh, that's a joke, you know. And there was people, there was people changing gender and it was like, oh, you know, there was off-colored remarks made um, about those people. And, and it was just a different atmosphere towards, you know, to towards gays and trans and women and this idea of the social norms and the roles that we play you know again something was thinking about that work was just you know how women even today volunteer for we were talking about this with the other studio managers at my previous studio how the women volunteer to do the events or to set up the fun team events for people because you know we're we're the ones that take the administrative roles all the time we just do it naturally and we do it uh, automatically without thinking um and we started to encourage at my previous studio that the male was a studio manager that he actually prioritized doing and planning some events so that we could switch the gender roles so we could rare model different behavior just for the team event because it was always the women uh, readers that were setting those up and you know ordering the buses and stuff like that so I think it's interesting uh, we have to work hard at, at forcing and changing the gender roles and and also lifting our male leaders to, to take a step and and do the things that that kind of break the the, the norms for them as well uh, they don't think about it and I and I don't think it's 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 not malicious at all it's just we we get we all get stuck in 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 wanting to belong and and feel community and encourage our teams and we just naturally end up putting ourselves in in that space sometimes too so it's just like a friendly reminder to everyone that uh, we too have to remember to challenge the social norms a little bit. <laughs> I love that. That's so true. And I hadn't I hadn't thought about that in terms of the management and. Uh switching it up because that is so apt on every level so yeah maybe we should all do that like all of us including everyone listening just think oh could you get your like male counterparts to ask them to arrange something i think it's a really good idea switch those norms yeah challenge yourself because this is fun like i actually i genuinely love setting up the team events because everyone is so gracious and everyone comes together so it benefits us all it lifts us all but yeah you know it should be an internal competition the other thing we were talking about was adding kpis gender kpis on the management team even if it's a diverse team and everyone's responsible for taking it to the next level i think something we're doing at strawberries is we're getting lgbt I can never remember all the letters. I'm sorry. I'm terrible. LGB plus uh, certified. So there's all these opportunities for your companies now to learn about diversity and to to look at things at all your processes and practices uh, as di- as a more in a with a more more diverse and inclusive lens. So I think to me it's it's a really exciting time and uh, and I can't wait to see all the great games that are going to come out by all the great people because we're telling so many more stories and being more inclusive. Totally agree. 
I love that, Wendy. Um, and I fully agree with your point as well. I love the idea of stepping outside of the norms and, and switching it up. And that's something that I'm actually going to do inside and outside of work uh, after listening to that today. And anyone who's listening, like Eloise said, I challenge you to do the same as well. Um, but great points again. Um, I just had one sort of similar question on the topic as well. For I wanted to get each of your thoughts on this as well. So in terms of, you know, what tips would you have when you're recruiting to attract, you know, more women freelancers or more women who are in permanent roles? What tips would you have to recruit? recruit? I can go first, maybe. So what we try, and we have an open role right now, and I think I mentioned it earlier, uh, is that we try to represent the engineering uh, craft uh, in our company with me as, yeah, stepping ahead we have a picture of myself a bit of a background story how i made it into the industry or into the company why i work in games just to make it more open for girls or yeah whoever see this um open role or the um yeah the job uh, description on the career page um yeah just we presenting us as a company that we are an open culture a diverse diverse culture just showing this and including trying to include everyone by that, just to opening up and get yeah more diversity into our company. I love that. And Eloise, sorry, you were gonna answer before I even said like obviously with with your uh, company and you had to do fifty fifty before. Is that similar, or have you had to do something different? Um. So for us, I was I was gonna say sort of we reach out one to universities and etc cetera, etc, cetera, but. Also, there are loads of communities like Women in Games, Women in XR, um, that are really good resources. So, and Discord groups that are the same. Um, so I think it's about kind of reaching out to those networks and it's the same, same with LGBTQ+. Um, there are lots of different areas that you can go to and the same with kind of color and creed as well. Um, there are lots of different diverse groups that you can go to to specifically reach out and post links so that you can kind of recruit as diverse as possible. And I think um, I think it really comes down to like the two things I can think of specifically is we have to look at our recruitment process. I think the anonymity is really important. Like. We, we use a, a tool to help us uh, have all of our applicants go through the an anonymity pass. So we read it without bias. I think that's really, really important is take a look at the recruitment process. We also have a tool that um, will help us when we make our ads here to, to sort of gender, go through a gender channel to make sure that it has uh, good language. It's not uh, biased in any way. And I think the other thing that we need to work on is helping other women and girls at school, uh, you know, not be, uh, not be afraid to not tick all the boxes. I think this is a trend that's been going on forever you know, you don't have to tick all the boxes. A lot of the time work is skill and, and like hard skills and soft skills, as we say, sometimes it can be just getting your foot in the door, asking questions, just reach out to companies you're interested in. 
Uh, recruiters can help you as well, kind of get your resumes up to speed and, and help you get in the way of companies you may be more interested in through their networks. And I, I really think that, you know, go to trade shows. Like I would like to get to many more trade shows. We have the Women in Games. Now there's hackathons. Get involved in the communities and start making a network. There's so many amazing women and diverse people out there that are, you know, at these shows that love to talk about what they're doing and can give you, you know, real life tips, uh, pass your resume, get on LinkedIn. I think just get involved in the communities. That is the best way in. Uh, and um, I think we we can do better internally by creating and seeing, uh, creating mentor programs and seeing more across the company because you know some of for example some of my best producers have come from qa i i think uh, at paradox for example uh, how we make games like designing games there was a lot of uh, female content creators i think if we had stepped towards them the game directors maybe had stepped towards them lifted them say hey i see something in you at Let's partner and encourage that. And that did happen quite a lot at, at Paradox, where the game directors worked closely with the the content designers and really lifted them. And then, you know, the stories that were told were much more diverse. So I think we have an obligation in, in different um, parts, not only in the recruitment. Uh, don't worry about ticking the boxes. We can be better at, at seeing and reading and looking at our, our candidates more diversely. And, and community, 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 just get involved, talk to people, get on LinkedIn, make connections at, uh, at the different events. It's, it's, that's how it works. I think. <laughs> Absolutely love that. Every single thing that all three of you said then is true. So anyone who's listening, take away those points at the end. It's a very, very true. Um, but before we end the podcast today, I just want to say thanks so much to all of our guests for sharing the thoughts in today's conversation. And once again, our guests today on the podcast have been Wendy Young from Starbury Studios, Kirsten from Wayfinder Games, and Eloise Singer from Singer Studios. If you are hiring for new technical roles or looking for a new role, feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution. Or if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message too. I am Aaron, and you can find me on LinkedIn at double A double R O double N C. Sorry for all the double letters, and thanks again to all of our guests, and thank you for listening. We hope you can join us next time.